time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Hey, happy Monday to you. I hope it's starting off to be a great day. I hope it's been a good day for you. Or if you're on some other day listening to this podcast, I hope it's a great day for you then too. But uh, we are looking at discipleship and Jesus' relationship with his disciples on the Vintage Truth podcast. And it's uh, been very interesting to dive into the truth and really the world of discipleship as it's described in the scripture. You know, a lot of times we we put our own meanings on different Christian terms and we think that discipleship is a Bible study or or just hanging out with someone or whatever, but we need to really find out what the Bible says and how Jesus Christ modeled what a disciple should be and how a relationship uh, with our Lord should be in discipleship. And so we go back and we look at Christ's ministry in his disciples' lives. We saw last time uh, we talked about this first uh, aspect of discipleship is that Jesus chose his disciples primarily so that they could be with him, so that he could be with them. And we trace that throughout the scripture all the way into Revelation. And really the purpose of us in eternity is that we might be with him. You know, there's a great benefit to being a Christian. You know, we do live in a consumer-driven culture, and that spirit has seeped into the church. In fact, it's filled the church today, where people come to church primarily for what they can get out of it. No matter what motivates them to get there, they, they come there uh, maybe out of guilt or the fact of habit or whatever, but they come there thinking, what am I going to get? Give me something. Entertain me. Keep my attention. You know, make me laugh. Make me feel good kind of thing. And so we are in that culture where we as Christians really are consumers much more than we are givers and sacrificers. However, there is a massive benefit to being a Christian. And the greatest benefit of all is that we get to be with God. We just get to be with God. I mean, God is the most incredible being, and he is the source and the fulfillment of every need, every true need that we have every emotional need, every intellectual need, every spiritual need, every relational need, and even every physical need as he's going to give us brand new bodies so that we can withstand the shock of heaven. God is the, is the source of all of our needs being met. And so one of the things that we see when we look at the, the relationship of Jesus with his earthly disciples we saw last time is that he chose them so that he might be with them. That's one of the things he did. And you think, well, what did Christ do with his disciples? Well, it involved a lot of things. It involved a lot of time, first of all. Jesus spent virtually every day with his disciples for about, well, about three years. And over in John chapter 12 and verse 26 Jesus said, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall my servant also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So 
part of the part of following Jesus is just simply being with him. And we say be with him, you know, it's it's not just in a sense of of just hanging out with him, but it's the it's the idea that there is a God consciousness in our lives throughout the day. That we're doing life with God, that he accompanies us in our journey of life, that he's not just accompanying us, he's actually leading us in our journey. And so whenever we go to school or go to work or go to a meeting or go visit a friend or go to lunch or whatever, God's with us in a very real way. He likes to be with us. He, uh, he enjoys the companionship and so should we. And so Jesus spent time with his disciples. They were basically with him at all times. Now, what did they do together for three years? How did, how did they spend that time? Well, the Bible tells us that they traveled together. We see that in Mark chapter 8, verses 10 and 27. They ate together. Luke 22, 7. They discussed spiritual things together. Matthew 5. We'll see that a little bit more about that in a minute. They went to social gatherings together. Matthew 9. We see the account of, of the uh, Levi, the tax collector. Well, let's just look there real quick. In Matthew chapter 9. This is a really great story. I won't really unpack it fully. But Matthew was a tax collector. Jesus said, follow me. He rose and followed him. Then it says it happened as he was reclining at the table in the house, many tax gatherers and sinners came and were dining. And so Jesus came to this house. And while he was there, um, he met all the people who were sick, all the people who needed salvation. And so Jesus ate dinner with his disciples at these social gatherings. And sometimes other people were involved in it. Sometimes they, probably most of the time, they ate privately. But there were social gatherings. They ministered together. In Mark chapter 6, we see that. They took retreats together in Mark chapter 6. So they got away and got got off by themselves together. So that's a spiritual, scriptural thing. They basically lived together uh, during this time. And he was with them in, in times in many different emotional times as well, uh, as he was with him in times of, of joy. Uh, the Bible tells us in John chapter 2 that Jesus was at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. He came to that wedding. He celebrated at that wedding with them. Uh, he was there uh, in times of, of anger, John 2, verses 13 through uh, 17 tells us. He was there when they were tired, Mark 6, 30 through 32. He was there uh, during their times of, of failure. In fact, in uh, Luke chapter 9 and verse 40, we read this. Jesus had come down from the mountain of transfiguration, and when he came down from the mountain, guess what? There was a huge crowd waiting on him down there. And it says, they came down the next day, a uh, great multitude met him, and behold, a man from the multitude shouted out, saying, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only boy. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams, and it throws him into convulsions with foaming at the mouth, and it, and it mauls him, and it scarcely leaves him. That's called demonic possession. And he says, I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. The disciples failed miserably in this ministry test. They couldn't cast out this demon. And Jesus said, oh, unbelieving and perverted generation, how long will I be with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. And Christ rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy. But the point is, is that, you know, Jesus didn't just turn his head and look away when the disciples failed. He was right there and he dealt with it. So he was with him during those times of failure, uh, during times of danger, 
uh, when they were out on the sea and the, and the wind and the wave came up. Uh, he was there during times of death. Uh, while in John chapter 11, you remember the death of, of Lazarus and Jesus went to see uh, Mary and Martha and gave, him, uh, gave them comfort and actually brought Lazarus back from the dead. But, uh, but he was with them during that time of grief. And so Christ was with his disciples through all kinds of emotional experiences. In fact, even during his own time of deep emotional stress in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he do? He asked three of his disciples, hey, come with me, pray. I'm going to go over here and pray. You stay here and pray. You keep watch and you pray. So he was with him during all kinds of situations and a variety of emotions. And, and that's, that's part of what being a disciple is. It's just bleeding your life out to God, thinking your thoughts out to God, spending your time with God. We need to get out of this whole mindset of compartmentalizing our Christianity into quiet times and then the rest of life. It's like we have the spiritual and the secular. We go to church, then we go watch a football game. No, God wants all of our lives to be lived with him. So we can enjoy him, enjoy the football game. We can enjoy him in church. Obviously, there are times that are more spiritual than others, that are more worshipful than others. We don't usually worship during the football game, although you can if you're thinking about God. But the point is that you're spending time with him. So that's what he did. That's sort of the character or, or rather the, the, the foundation of discipleship is there must be time spent with God and in thinking out our thoughts to him and living our life uh, with him. So it takes takes place in the context of a personal relationship, right? Now, the second thing that Christ did with his disciples was not just spend time with them, but also in the context of that greater circle, that greater environment of time, he also taught them. He spent time teaching them. That's really the content of our relationship with Christ. And, and they learned daily from him in their daily companionship with him. He would teach them what they should be, what they should do, what they should believe, what they should teach. It was part of the training of being a disciple. And that's why today that you cannot understand or experience true Christianity and true discipleship, they're the same by the way, unless you are being taught by God. You must be taught the scriptures. There's no way around it. You have to really be taught the scriptures. And I'm not talking about reading some, some campy, syrupy devotional. I'm talking about getting into the word of God. God's words to your head. God's words to your heart. And obviously, you're listening to a podcast right now. I'm talking about the word. I'm teaching you something from the word. But you need to be in the word yourself. You need to have yourself a Bible. I had a Bible in 19, uh, bought it in 1986. It's a Ryrie study Bible. I love it because of the notes. I love it because of the cross references and that type of things, a little bit of room in the margins, that kind of thing. But I use this Bible, obviously, as a pastor, as a minister. I'm using it every day. But pretty soon, I mean, after several years, this Bible got kind of worn and it fell apart on me. And so I thought, well, gosh, what am I going to do? I really love this Bible. All my notes are in it. So I took it to a bindery and I said, hey, I want you to rebind this Bible for me. And he said, well, I'll be happy to do that, but you're not going to be able to open it if I do it because of the where I'm going to have to bind this thing and stitch it up. I said, well, what are my options? He said, well, you could cut it in half and have like an Old Testament 
and I could bind that in leather and, and a New Testament and put that in leather. I said, well, good, do that then. So that's what he did. So I've been carrying around this Bible that's Old Testament and New Testament for, I don't know, 20-something years uh, because it just fell apart on me. And my wife's Bible has just recently fallen, well, recently, it fell apart about a year or so ago. And so we just bought her a new Bible as well. But here's the deal. You have to have personal interaction with the Word of God. That's the primary way that God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit talk to you. Did you get that? That's the primary way. It's not just, hmm, I just felt impressed in my spirit to go to the green bean aisle in the grocery store and talk to a woman. You know, No, no, no. That's not the primary way God speaks to you. Because you need a context out of which to interpret those thoughts you have about how you think God's leading you. How do you know that's God? How do you know that's God? It's because you know what the Word says. So when you're in the Word and you know the content of the Word, you have a 100% chance of knowing if God's really leading you in life. So being in the Word is indispensable. And if that's what you do in the morning, fine. If that's your lunch break, fine. In the evening, it doesn't matter. What really matters is that you're just in the Word. You're exposing yourself. You're allowing the Word of God to marinate in your mind. And that's why it's so important that you're in a great teaching church. Not someone just to give you a sermon about life, but someone to open the Bible and explain it to you verse by verse. That's where you need to be. And that's what we seek to do on this podcast is that is to give you verse by verse teaching on the Bible that we're doing a topical series right now. But that's the point is to get in the word, right? So anyway, all that to say is that's what Jesus did with his disciples. And in fact, in John 17, again, in what is known as the high priestly prayer of Christ, he's praying to the father. Now I want you to listen to what Jesus says. Okay. So we're, we're actually eavesdropping in on Christ, the Son of God, the second member of the Godhead, having a private conversation with the Father. And, and it's recorded for us right here in John. This is what John records, this the words of Jesus to his Father. He said, Father, I manifested or made known your name to the men that you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and, your, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Then he says, for the words that you gave me, I gave to them and they received them and they truly understood that I came forth from you and they believed that you did send me. And so Jesus is recounting his ministry to the father and he tells the father, I taught them the word of God. I taught them the revelation of God, the truth of God, the vintage truth truth of God. I taught that to them. That was the content about what Christ said. In fact, he taught them about so many different things. He taught them about the Bible, about the word of God itself and the nature of it, what it does. He taught them about the father. He taught them about himself, the Holy Spirit, salvation, eternal life. He talked about Satan, death, faith, forgiveness, heaven, hell, honesty, judging others, judgment, Kindness, love, marriage, morality, prayer, resurrection, purity, worldliness, and many, many, many other topics 
that he taught them. He taught them formally and informally, by word and by example. There was a lot of heavy content in Jesus' relationship with his disciples. In fact, they went to seminary for three years with Jesus Christ. And I love what Jesus says later on in this John chapter 17. He says, Father, I've given them your word, okay, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. You see, being a disciple of Jesus Christ separates you from the rest of the world. And you're given truth that the rest of the world doesn't get. And because you have that truth, the assumption is that you're believing that truth and living that truth, the world's not going to like you because the world doesn't follow God. And sometimes the world wants you to follow their values and morals and not God's. And so you go, no, I'm going with the discipleship route here. I'm going with what Jesus said, going with the Bible. They don't like you for that. And sometimes you have to speak out about that. Not all the time, but sometimes. Sometimes you have to stand up for what you believe. And you're going to take heat from that. Jesus said, that's going to happen. Get used to it because you belong to me. Then he said, verse 15 of John 17, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So Jesus is saying, don't isolate yourselves from the world. Insulate yourselves from the world. You're supposed to penetrate the world and society and culture. You're supposed to get your boat out into that water. Just don't get that water into your boat. And then he said this. He said, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So how are we to be set apart? How are we to become holy? How are we to be made like Jesus Christ in the truth, in God's finished truth? You know why? Because God's word is truth. More than anything in this planet, anything in humanity, God's word is truth. And he says, I don't in verse 20, I don't ask on behalf of these guys alone, but for those who believe in me through their word, that's you and me. That's you and me there. And so Christ made a point of depositing in his disciples this great repository of truth. And that's what we have now in the word of God. So Christian, if you're a disciple, if you're a disciple, then you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, you're a disciple. You need to be in the word, be, be understanding the word, be pouring yourself into the word. And not just to get a thought for the day, a happy thought for the day, a little devotional tidbit. No, you need to dig deep in there, man. I mean, get in the word to a place to where the word's going to really mess with your life. <laughs> That's what it's all about is allowing that word to, to be in your mind, to transform your mind. That's what it means to be a disciple. And that's what Jesus did with his original disciples. That's what he's doing with you right now. Are you walking along with him? Are you hearing him? Hey, next time we're going to talk about the cost of discipleship. That's going to be one you do not want to miss. I'll talk to you next time. See you on Friday.